Welcome to the ETAP Podcast, a service of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Each month, we'll provide information and insight into environmental issues important to state transportation officials. Welcome to the first episode of the ETAP Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Our guest this month is Allie Kelly. She's the executive director of The Ray. Allie, great to have you here and to kick things off. Thank you so much, Bernie. We mentioned that you're the executive director of The Ray, but for those who are unfamiliar with The Ray, why don't you tell us a bit about the organization and your work with it, if you would, please? Absolutely. So The Ray is located in the southeastern state of Georgia. There are 18 miles of Interstate 85 in West Georgia that were designated as a memorial highway to a man named Ray Anderson back in 2014. Uh, Ray was the founder and the CEO of Interface Carpet Company. He was born in West Point, Georgia at the Georgia-Alabama border, and he started his company Interface in LaGrange, Georgia. So the 18-mile corridor actually goes from the Georgia-Alabama border to exit 18 on Interstate 85, which is the exit for LaGrange. And a couple of years after the highway was designated, a nonprofit organization also called The Ray, was formed to work in a public-private philanthropic partnership, or a P4, with the Georgia DOT and the Federal Highway Administration in order to facilitate new technologies, innovations new to transportation and specifically new to interstate highways to facilitate those projects happening on a public, working, operational interstate. So essentially, over less than five years, we've brought about a dozen projects online on this 18-mile stretch of Interstate 85 in Georgia. We've done it with a broad partnership, including the state and federal government, as well as private sector technology companies and even private sector funders. And um, we're really interested in understanding what technologies exist already you know, things we don't have to wait for anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Really, it's just technologies that we have to work a little bit harder to incorporate into our interstate system. But the benefits of bringing these innovations to transportation could be reduced fatalities on our interstate highways, reducing transportation carbon and other environmental concerns that we have related to transportation, and also trying to figure out how to do more and achieve more productivity with the infrastructure and the assets that we've already invested in and that we already have in our interstate system. That's pretty much the Ray. You talked about some of the partners that are part of the Ray, including government, uh, nonprofit, private sector companies. What is a P4 and what are the benefits of a P4? The P4 is really about adding philanthropy, which becomes the fourth P to the public-private partnership, makes it a public-private philanthropic partnership. And what our philanthropy does through our nonprofit organization is it mitigates the risks associated with trying new things in the transportation sector. It mitigates the risks for state DOTs. It may also mitigate the risk for local governments or other transportation operators like tollway and turnpike authorities. And ultimately, because we're on a stretch of interstate, we really want to help federal highways and its state DOT partners to try new things in a partnership and in a scenario where 
the risks are mitigated, we have confidence in the technology that we're installing or that we're building or constructing, and that we've got appropriate monitoring in order to know how successful or not successful the projects are. The other piece of this, which is an important piece for us at the Ray working with Federal Highways Administration, is to determine what works and to scale it as quickly as possible. It's not enough for us to have 18 miles of modern infrastructure that's more sustainable on the U.S. interstate system. We need to be able to leverage philanthropy to help state DOTs, and in this instance, Georgia DOT, to try something new with its partners in the federal government. And those technologies or innovations that we deploy that are successful or extremely successful, we need to find a way to scale, to repeat those technologies, to get them into other states and other parts of the U.S. interstate system as quickly as possible. So at the Ray, we really rely on our partners at the Federal Highway Administration to help us to make those connections in other regions of the country with other DOTs and other transportation operators so that we can not only learn from the 18 miles on the Ray and try new things, but those things that are extremely successful, we need to scale them as quickly as possible to other parts of the country. When I was looking at your website, doing a little bit of research before I was talking with you this afternoon, I noticed that Goals for the Ray include zero deaths, zero carbon, and zero waste. Now, those are pretty ambitious goals. Can you tell me a bit more, though, about how those three are interrelated, please? Absolutely. So this is essentially a project to understand how our infrastructure and how transportation itself can become more sustainable. When most people hear the word sustainability, they think about air quality or water quality or other traditional concerns of the environmental movement. But for us on the Ray, and this is something that we share in common with Georgia DOT and the Federal Highway Administration, at the core of sustainability is human life, the quality of human life and saving human lives. And so for us, it is intertwined um, work to make transportation safer and to reduce the number of crashes and fatalities is as much a part of our sustainability mission as addressing transportation carbon emissions or addressing runoff pollution from our interstate lanes themselves. All of these things are linked for us and really in order for state DOTs to have the resources to address infrastructure that creates dangerous driving conditions or infrastructure conditions that degrade the environment, for the DOTs to have the resources to address those areas, we need to make sure that we've got diverse funding sources that are stable funding sources for our state DOTs, that are funding sources that are going to be stable or even increase over time so that we have the resources to make our infrastructure as safe, as clean, and also as smart and modern as we possibly can. You mentioned the technologies that are being used, and a lot of these technologies are ones that have already been tested and proven, but they're being perhaps used in a a different way. Talk to us a bit about some of the technologies that have been deployed and what benefits you're seeing from those, please. Sure. So one of the things at the Ray that we have really been obsessed with from the very beginning um, over the last five years is how our infrastructure can and should become smarter um, in order to support the deployment of smart vehicles. 
Another way of saying this is we believe at the Ray that we do have to modernize and improve our infrastructure in order to seize the best and highest benefits out of autonomous, connected, and electric transportation. I think we have broad agreement in this country and really in countries around the world that the future of transportation is electric and that it is connected with data streams that can become very important in making transportation more efficient and safer. And over time, that we will have more autonomous functionality that will also be safer and more efficient than human drivers. So for us to leverage what could be a 50% reduction or more reduction in traffic crashes and fatalities, if that is our goal, which of course it is all of our goals to save lives and reduce those crashes that are expensive, they're financially expensive and they also cost human life. For us to have that as our main mission and our main goal, we embrace connected vehicle technology, we embrace autonomous vehicle technology, um, and we also recognize that the future is electric with those um, more modern smart vehicles. The infrastructure changes that we have to make are pretty clear. You know, autonomous vehicles need to be able to see the lane. They need to be able to see where they should be within a lane. So the visibility of infrastructure, of lane lines and signage is really important to autonomous vehicle safe operation. Also, autonomous vehicles need to be in a connected environment where they have the ability to access real-time, real-place information that we know is verified and correct information. So to achieve those things on our 18 miles of interstate, we've been working with 3M and have deployed 13 miles of their connected roads striping, um, which has been specifically engineered and designed for visibility by autonomous vehicles, computer vision systems. And we're also working with Panasonic to build a data platform in the cloud for managing connected vehicle data streams that come in from connected cars as they're deployed in greater numbers in our country. Those data streams are validated from the vehicle's computers, so we know that that data, um, it's good data, it's data we can have confidence in, and we can get it from those vehicles in real time, real place. We can use that big data to understand where there might be dangerous incidents, crashes, how to protect our work zone, how to respond to weather or environmental conditions. We can actually talk right back into the vehicles and the drivers of connected cars and future autonomous vehicles, we can get the information straight back into the car. So those are some things that we're working on to establish a smart highway system. And of course, these vehicles now and increasingly in the future are electric vehicles. And so we've also provided solar-powered EV charging at the rest area on the Ray. And we're a technology partner of the Select Center, which has developed EV charging technology wireless in a lane so that you could actually charge your electric vehicle while you drive. These are all necessary elements of future highways that are smart, that are clean, and that are clean-powered in our transportation, thus carbon-free. Obviously, as the owner of I-85, Georgia DOT is a key partner. Obviously, their involvement goes beyond just owning the roadway, though. They've been involved with this partnership over the years. How has that evolved, and what are some of the projects that you've worked with Georgia DOT on? 
Well, it's been amazing. It's been nearly five years, and uh, we celebrated the signing of a formal charter in 2019 with Georgia DOT and the Federal Highways Administration. So in a relatively short period of time, we achieved the kind of partnership and communication and trust, the strong relationship that was necessary to come together under a formal charter and agree that the work on the Ray was important enough to continue well into the future. That chartered relationship that we agreed to and signed in 2019 specifically identifies safety, sustainability, and innovation as the priorities that bind and connect our work together. Over the years, we started out in August 2015. Our very first installation was also a modest installation at the rest area on the northbound lanes of Interstate 85, just after you cross into the state of Georgia from Alabama. There is a rest area, and we installed a 12-panel solar array that supports an EV charging station. When we installed the technology in 2015, it was a 50 kW EV charging station. Now in 2020, we are changing out that 50 kW charging station for one that is 175 kilowatts. So we've got a state-of-the-art DC fast charging station that will still be supported by solar energy available for free for motorists at the rest area. And that just Solar-powered EV charging was a really smart first project for us as we were getting to know Georgia DOT back in 2015, and it's still really relevant as we are here in 2020. We've also done a lot of much larger projects with Georgia DOT. We actually just finished a megawatt solar project using about four acres of DOT right-of-way or the interstate roadside area at exit 14. About four acres now hosts 2,600 high-efficient solar panels. That's basically a power plant owned, operated, and maintained by a southern company subsidiary called Georgia Power. Georgia Power and Georgia DOT worked out a 35-year agreement for that solar power plant. Um, and it sits just 40 feet from the edge of the interstate pavement. For DOT, it was a great deal because for the next 35 years, they are not responsible for maintaining that property anymore. And we know that state DOTs all over the country, including our own in Georgia, um, have to dedicate substantial resources, millions and millions of dollars, to maintain the roadsides of the interstate. So through this public-private partnership with utilities like Georgia Power or even with solar developers, DOTs can start to reduce their expenditures on roadside maintenance and instead shift those resources to other transportation critical work like maintaining bridges or building new infrastructure. Um, and there's, you know, opportunities for DOTs to also create some new revenue streams from those projects. You know, utilities are used to paying a, la a land fee for solar sites. Utilities are also used to sharing renewable energy credits, which are um, very valuable on various national or international markets. So there are ways that DOTs could negotiate even more value into those sites and achieve more productivity from that roadside land. Those are kind of, you know, renewable energy projects, small and large, that we've done with our DOT. And then, of course, we're invested as partners in our autonomous and connected vehicle projects. Georgia DOT actually funded the 3M connected road striping. And then the Ray and Georgia DOT have co-funded Panasonic um, as they work to build a connected vehicle data platform in the cloud 
for a smart highway system debuted on the Ray. Allie, as we're recording this on April 22nd, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's been a lot of talk about an investment in infrastructure that might be going on. I'm curious, does the Ray have any ideas that they'd like to share with other state DOTs that might be listening to this podcast about what they should be looking for when it comes to infrastructure investments from the work you've already done? Absolutely. Our goal as a nonprofit is to discover solutions, to have successful technologies, have the opportunity to perform on the Ray, and then to scale it, to give it away, to repeat it to as many different corners of the country and the world as possible, as quickly as possible. Because frankly, we can't wait any longer in terms of our efforts to reduce accidents and crashes, reduce fatalities, um, and also prepare our infrastructure for modern, autonomous, and connected transportation. These are things that we can't wait for any longer. And our role as philanthropy is to enable it, right, to enable solutions and give them away. What we are working on at the Ray is a solution set that we believe can be a part of a federal or a national package, and that at its core does include infrastructure projects that are more economically feasible and that are more easily funded because these are projects that bring in partners from the private sector and robust P3s. So all of the things that we've discussed, preparing the infrastructure for connected vehicles and autonomous vehicles with striping signage and with the data infrastructure, the cloud infrastructure to manage the data streams. That is absolutely what needs to happen in this country and as quickly as possible. I mean, with connected cars alone, we believe that we're going to have millions of connected cars on the roads just over the next two to three years. So we need to be able to manage the data streams for the highest value and the most utility as quickly as possible. And that requires that we build basically a brain capable of managing connected vehicle data streams. Also, we've got so many acres of real estate on the interstate system that is not in pavement. These are not paved lanes. This is the roadsides. We spend a lot of money to maintain them. It's basically a cost center for the DOTs. And we would like to see more state DOTs reimagine, where appropriate, reimagine that interstate roadside property for renewable energy generation with solar, with wind. Also to imagine how those roadsides might be more productive for certain agricultural products. There have been a couple of states that have tried roadside farming for corn for ethanol, which is interesting. Um, We think that there's an even bigger, better opportunity for products like sustainable fiber, companies that make diapers and toilet tissue and Kleenex, um, you know, nose tissue that we use, especially now in COVID. Those kind of throwaway products are increasingly made from sustainable fiber, from things like, you know, wheat straw. And we can actually grow wheat products on the roadsides and deal with our erosion issues on the roadsides a little bit better by deciding that we're going to use plants like some of the ones we're working with on the Ray. One in particular that comes to mind is Kernza, which is a perennial wheat varietal that you can then harvest 
in a public-private partnership with farmers and then use that fiber for single-use commercial goods in partnership with corporations like Kimberly-Clark. These are big ideas because they're so different from how we've managed our interstate system before, but everything that we suggest, everything that we recommend, every solution as a part of our solution set on the Ray, all of it maintains the safety, the integrity, and the operational efficiency of the interstate system. We don't ever want to interrupt the safe operation of the interstate system. It's just about, in a safe manner, doing more with what we already have. And the last thing that I would mention is, you know, this country, the United States, generates about 300 million scrap tires every year. We have researched for 30-plus years now how to recycle scrap tires into high-performing asphalt and into high-performing roads. And that's another innovation that we demonstrate on the Ray that we think could be used nationally and in uh, more of our interstate paving projects is recycling scrap tires into rubberized asphalt for high-performing roads. You mentioned the many partners that are part of the Ray. Is there still opportunity for others to get involved? And if so, who are you looking for and how do they get involved? Oh, absolutely. We're going to continue to imagine with Georgia DOT and the Federal Highway Administration what the future highway system, how it should perform, what it should include, and what it should look like. Um, We have to always be thinking around the corner because the innovation that's occurring in transportation, specifically in the vehicles themselves, that innovation is more accelerated than we've ever seen. So we in the infrastructure space we have to always be thinking ahead to what the infrastructure might have to provide for or how it might have to perform in order to accommodate future mobility and future vehicles. So there's absolutely work that we want to continue doing on the Ray. And just immediately, an idea that I can think of that we're really interested in with Georgia DOT is exploring how to do more and better work with drone technology. I think it's fairly common now in the United States for state DOTs to use drones for infrastructure monitoring and infrastructure maintenance, which is a great use case, but we think that there's probably also a safety use case for drones where our drones can be the first eyes on the scene of a crash on our interstate system where you might be able to use the eye of the drone to figure out if you've got ejected passengers or if you've got fuel spills, if you've got a fire or if you've got a fire hazard and from which direction the first responder should be coming out of that accident. Um, Right now, it's just based on kind of who might have seen the crash occur or, you know, hearsay. And that information is good, but how could we make that information better by having first eyes on the scene from above in a way that's safe, that doesn't interrupt the scene or disrupt the scene at all, but just helps to protect our first responders and better deploy them to the particulars of an accident or a crash. So that's one example of something that we're really interested in. Also just, you know, understand the importance of freight and logistics in this country, particularly in the southeast. Um, In Savannah, Georgia, we've deepened our seaport to accept the supercargo ships now, and we've seen an increase in freight across the state of Georgia and all across the southeast. So providing opportunities for electric freight vehicles of the near future to access high-powered charging depots. 
um, megawatt charging, future two megawatt charging, um, right there on the interstates at exits or in strategic locations is going to be really important. And then also, as we you know move through fleet conversions to a world that transportation world that's more electric, I'm really understanding how we can increase truck stop electrification infrastructure so that truckers aren't idling on their mandated rest breaks, you know, in order to get the heat or the air conditioning that they need for the comfort in their cab. Right now they're idling on their diesel fuel, which can be really expensive and also really polluting. So how do we get more opportunities for the drivers of freight vehicles to plug in when they're idling for their mandated breaks and also to plug in their refrigeration units in tow? We can do these things right now. We have the drone technology. We have the truck stop electrification technology. We've got rest areas that have truck parking lots. We just need to start leveraging this technology to achieve the benefit now. We don't have to wait any longer, and that's part of the great news, even in the middle of this COVID-19 crisis. Well, Ali, this all sounds fascinating and something I'm sure we'll want to keep a close eye on to see how it progresses in the months and years ahead. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with us today. Wow. Thank you so much for your time and for your interest. The Ray is online at www.theray.org. And we're also on social media across all channels at The Ray Highway. So please follow us and get involved and um, welcome anyone's questions or continued interest in our work. We're very accessible online, and also we host field tours of the Ray in person, so come on down and hashtag Ride the Ray. And again, our guest on this inaugural broadcast of the ETAP podcast has been Allie Kelly, Executive Director of the Ray. Again, Allie, thanks so much. Thank you so much.